hello everyone, it's time for me to ramble on about some more crap. So, this week I am thinking that I might want to focus a little bit on spell work. But that's not all. Now, when it comes to the spell work, really the world is your oyster. Okay, it's a saying, I think. I'm pretty sure that's a saying. The world is your oyster? Yeah, I'm sure that's a thing. Being creative, when it comes to spell work, you need to be creative about it. Obviously, we hate the kind of copy and paste for the simple reason that generally when someone copies a spell they've seen or they've read about in a book, they don't really fully understand the mechanisms of it. It's just a light this candle. It's a follow this recipe. We don't really like that. Now, I have no problem whatsoever with copying spells that are perhaps famous or have some history to them. I'm not one of those people that tends to subscribe to the idea of when something's been done over and over again, it has a certain amount of power behind it. For the simple reason that if you take something like the Abracadabra spell, okay, which has been done many, 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 many times, and there can be some power yet there, yes, there is some power, with the fact that the words and the format has been used time and time again. But that's still extremely limiting. So with the Abracadabra spell, if you haven't watched the Abracadabra video, you've got the idea of writing down a word and then removing a letter each day, rewriting the word. So say you wanted to banish someone get rid of someone you could write their full name down and then each day write their name down again underneath it but with a letter missing until you work further and further and further down to the point where there is only one letter remaining of their name the idea is to continually go back to that spell time after time and pushing energy into disrupting that person to removing them rather than the old raising up the energy, doing a bitch be gone spell, candle spell or something like that, it kind of implies that you've got to charge that candle or raise enough energy, some wham, bang, thank you ma'am, one hit wonder kind of thing. If you don't have enough energy, it's going to be difficult to make that thing manifest. Instead, revisiting something is one of those things that you're continuously putting a little bit more energy in and a little bit more and a little bit more. It's kind of the equivalent of instead of running a 10k run at once, you break that down over 10 days and do 1k a day, 1 kilometer a day, instead of 10 kilometers all at once. You know, breaking down and supplying energy in little chunks. The idea of the abracadabra. Anyway, you can watch the video on the Thoth TV YouTube channel if you don't know what it is. But ideas like that, I understand. Copying is a simple format. You can copy it. Yes, there is the idea and the concept of, well, it is magical and there is some power behind it because it's been done so many times. However, think of all of the people that have ever existed in the, on this planet. Now think of the amount of people that will ever exist on this planet. 
And now imagine, even though I know it's not true, but imagine anyway, that every single one of them throughout their lives have done the abracadabra spell and have contributed a little bit towards that abracadabra spell. There's an awful lot of people, an awful lot of energy there. And yet, that fails in comparison to the majority of the energies that are out there. I.e., having every human that's ever lived and ever going to live doing a spell, contributing power to that spell, there is a bit of juice there. But that juice has a limit. Generally speaking, when we get to it, intermediate and advanced forms of magic and witchcraft we want to be working with things that are in abundance essentially past intermediate or intermediate and past that form of witchcraft you are only ever dealing with eternities and it's just a case of dealing with greater or lesser eternities and whether one cancels out another Oh, things are getting complicated, aren't they, all of a sudden? Right, let's go back a little bit. So, we're not really supposed to talk about people that we mentor, obviously. We try to keep things confidential. However, because so many of you are on different paths than that, and because witches do love to gossip, don't pretend like you don't. I love a gossip. I've never met a witch that didn't like a gossip. And everyone likes to know what every other fucking person's up to. I'm going to see if I can reveal a little bit by using certain little examples and things like that. So obviously I'm not going to reveal people's actual names. But as you know, we tend to give people nicknames. So there are two people at the moment that have worked on somewhat similar spells, funny enough. Both of those two people have done a money spell. Both of those people, from what I can understand, are going down the plant route of utilising a money spell, so using plants and money. Person number one, who is Spirit Master, hello Spirit Master, they accidentally, from what I understand, attached the spell to a person. That spell utilised that attachment to drain or start draining the person in question of their energy, which ended up making them sick. I, the basic format of the spell was to take something that is like a weed or something that grows really well, and then turn that into a money spell. So the more quicker that it grows, the easier it grows, your money multiplies. I like to use like little bonsai trees or succulents or even cress or something like that if I'm going out and about and not actually adopting a plant or growing a plant myself and utilizing one out in nature. I tend to use weeds and the like. Um, but the idea is obviously as the plant grows, so does the person's money. Now, this person's been experimenting, Spirit Master has been experimenting with adding more different types of energy in. And I think they made a mistake by attaching a person to this spell. And thought that if I take energy from the person, then that person's energy can feed the spell. Unfortunately, that's exactly what happened. But when you attach something to a person, attach a spell to a person, 
and I mean use a person to power the spell, whether it be yourself or a coven or a specific other person that has nothing to do with the actual magical working, you have to remember that that spell is going to start drawing energy from the person. And if that person gives off an abundance of energy and you're only capturing what they're throwing away, for want of a better term, then that's fine. However, if your spell requires more energy to work than that person is capable of giving off in abundance or more than they need, then you're going to start taking energy away from that person that they need. You're going to start draining some of their energetic bodies, which obviously has an effect, i.e. will make them ill. Depending on where you're linking to and how much energy you're taking, the effects can be quite interesting. Now, if it's psychic related and you're pulling stuff from their astral body to power a psychic spell that you're doing then probably what that is going to mean is that their concentration is going to struggle their psychic ability is probably going to wane a little bit and they might feel a little bit lapsadaisical and moody if you're pulling more energy and you're pulling it from other areas then it might actually start manifesting as physical illness but the point is if you're using someone else's energy and you're taking too much then it's going to have a negative effect now spirit master found this out the hard way and spirit master is doing a wonderful job of correcting that spell what I would like to draw the attention to is that a certain other person, Little Delphi, has decided to do this purposefully. So, whereas you have Spirit Master accidentally attaching a spell to someone and draining their energy and then thinking, actually, I don't really want to do this. Little Delphi's decided to go out and do this purposefully. So, Little Delphi has a certain let's just say horrible cow slash bitch that she doesn't like and that no one likes and she thinks well instead of a hexing and a cursing I don't like the cow why don't I just attach a spell that I want for some money or something to that person and then if it needs to drain the energy of the person and it ends up killing them off or injuring them or something then who then then what it doesn't fucking matter does it at the end of the day because we don't like the person in the first place in fact if it was to make the person ill and drain them completely that can only be a good thing for us because we don't like the bitch this is a method i personally love so although i know spirit master and little delphi haven't had this discussion this is a spell method that I am personally a big fan of and I think that it's something that's a little bit underestimated so well done for little Delphi for coming up with this idea and spirit master I'm sure your minds are going over a time thinking about maybe the applications of this now you understand this because it's not something that I hear a lot about. I hear a lot about people saying, I don't like that bitch down the road. I'm going to hex or a jinx or a cursor. Or him or it or whatever. But I don't see a lot of people thinking, well, 
Why don't I just utilise their energy for my own means? I mean, I'm thinking that I might like a holiday this year, and I can't say I really want to pay for it, so why don't I do a spell to manifest me a holiday? Well, I don't really want it, and I'm not really interested in putting a huge amount of energy into it, but why don't I just attach some poor bastard, or some person I don't like, or multiple people that I don't like, to that spell, and have the energy of that spell pull the energy from them. I'm a big fan of setting up little systems, kind of self-powered systems, non-maintainable systems, so things that you set up and then you walk away from, you don't have to keep tinkering with them. I like that, you know. When it comes to doing professional magic, if I was the sort of person that would see client after client after client constantly using my own energy to power the spells that I do for the client, I'm going to be pretty tired. And that is not how I like to work. That's how McDonald's psychics work, using their own energy. I don't. I don't need to do that. Yes, I could probably muster up a huge amount of energy in which to power a spell, but why am I going to do that when I can pull energy from somewhere else? Now, obviously, I'm another big fan of poetic justice. So if you've got some con person who is trying to steal money from people, it might be a nice idea to attach a money spell to someone like that. Because not only are you draining a con person who cons people out of money's energy and making them ill, but you're also doing that as a means of making money yourself. You know? Poetic justice, I love this kind of concept. So, again, you can put this into lots and lots of different, you know, categories, and you can come up with lots of different types of spell work. That's not really a huge amount. The main focus there is the fact that what is powering the spell and the attachment and how you're attaching it to. Now, I have with uh, a certain someone, I think, on the Witchcraft Live group, we're both doing a similar spell at the moment. And I know that I'm going to be putting details of mine on. And I think the other person's also putting details of their own on. At least they said they were going to at some point. Um, and we're kind of utilising this. We're doing a little bit of uh, money magic. And then we're kind of using the base, base, basic same method. But obviously we'll approach it slightly different ways. And that's using the kind of plant magic. The growing of a plant. So some people tend to use plant magic as in if I got a little money plant. And I actually made it a money plant, one of those little succulent things. And I tend to it and grow it. As that plant grows, so will my money grow, you know? But then at the same time, you could think, because that plant, as it grows, is bringing me money. You could also think of it as that plant is a living thing. What do you feed that plant? What does it thrive on? Does it thrive on a certain illness? If it thrives on a certain illness, attach that plant to someone that has that illness, and that plant will start to pull the illness away from them. Two things can happen within that manifestation. Either the plant gets sick and absorbs the illness and dies instead of the person, or it might be, particularly I've seen this with chronic conditions, 
that the plant just seems to thrive and get bigger and bigger and bigger and grow and enjoy zapping the illness from the person and the person's kind of chronic conditions are ease and they're there it's a lot easier for them and you know symptoms and such are not quite as harsh shall we say it's a good one to kind of have a little mess about with i know a number of you guys from the witchcraft live group and from the patreon are familiar with this kind of technique but i know that not everyone may be so i figured i'd just talk a little bit about that so obviously within this we have the concept of um when it comes to what spirit master did and what Lil delphi's up to feeding one's enemies to a spell okay that's the thing to think about can i feed my enemy to a spell i.e attach a spell to an enemy and have that spell drain can i have a spirit feed upon my enemy can i give an enemy as payment for a job a spirit is doing for me i'm not going to give you the answer to that but i do want people to kind of have a little think about it because it's an interesting concept because we talk a lot about spirits and the like and there are ideas of offerings and payments and the like well Instead of that tobacco and that booze and whatever the hell else you've bought for the spirit to leave on an altar or something, could you give an, an enemy away to the spirit? Do you have the authority to do that? Maybe, maybe not. Where does such authority come from? Is it really something with authority? Do you need the authority to do that? Who knows? Might be something that you might want to give a go, though. Might want to have a little experiment with. So, moving along, obviously, there seems to be a lot of potion making going on at the moment. I've spoken a little bit, I think, yesterday night to Cersei Dreamland uh, with Chris about doing a little bit of potion making for offerings and like that for spirits. So, the idea of... If a demon is much like a biker, what do bikers like? They like a beer, they like a drink down the biker bar. Okay, what could I do the symbolic of that for a magical offering? Well, you know, it, you don't have to crawl the internet for very long to find that alcohol and the like is often left as offerings to spirits. But what if I make my own? And I'm not saying become a beer baron and brew your own alcohol. What I'm talking about, can I make a specific drink for a specific person or a specific spirit? So does that mean making a cocktail and naming that cocktail after a certain spirit? Do you see what I did there? Cocktail spirits, they're made of spirits to give to spirits. Yeah, I'm sure that one lost on everyone. Um we kind of have the concept of thinking of a certain demon that you probably know by now as being a biker and that bikers kind of like booze like beer like whiskey so why don't we as a symbolic gesture given that we look at this demon as a biker big scary burly biker making him a beer 
So taking a beer or a whiskey in and then infusing it with certain things that are of the same energetic signature of that thing, of that demon, of that spirit. And then you've kind of got your varying spirit beer that you're giving to them as an offering. I kind of like that concept. The reason I'm talking a little bit about this is, A, I had the conversation yesterday, but also potion making seems to be a big thing at the moment. Um, some people might have seen on the Lady Poison blog that me, Mr. Railroad, and the Dark Pastor had a little potion making class with none other than the Lady Poison. And we were talking a little bit about potion making and we made a couple of magical potions. Um, I made one that was designed to cause nightmares to a certain someone. Um, and I caused it, I called it or named it Pastor's Nightmare because it was supposed to be used on someone that runs a church and it was supposed to essentially haunt their dreams. So give them nightmares and make them incredibly unstable and the like. I haven't used it yet, it's still actually brewing. But it was interesting working with other witches to see how they go about brewing things and how they go about charging things and the like. Lady Poison has an interesting way of charging her potions and that with the plant spirit familiars or the plant spirit, um, plant spirit allies, which is similar to mine, but it's quite interesting because she charges after the spirit is complete. So as a whole unit, whereas I've always been one that I feel I should be asking permission of an ingredient to include it, as opposed to putting all of the ingredients in and then at the end saying, all oh, you guys want to help. I'm a big one of, uh, I think Chris is a little bit similar, hence why he likes his walks. Taking the time to invest in the individual ingredients and get their permission first before you include them. But anyway, shout out to uh, Mr. Railroad and Lady Poison and of course the Dark Pastor, who I believe is off on a little bit of a jaunt on holiday at the moment. So I have a nice little holiday. So... Obviously, working with plant spirit allies, potion making, the idea of animism, all things have a spirit. Now, whether it's a sentient spirit or not, who knows? It doesn't really matter. But the idea or the concept that everything has a spirit anyway, or at least a spiritual part. Um, plant spirits are something that I like to set beginners working with because they're pretty easy going and the personalities there may be subtle but you can't go too far wrong when working with plant spirit allies they over like you or they don't working with other things like the next probably simplest way of working would be working with things like the dead and I know a certain someone out there has just started working with the dead um, Dean Corso, hello Dean Corso, um, in regards to working with spirits of the dead for spellcasting and the like is an interesting one. How do you know which spirit to work with? Well, some will go within their own ancestral line because they'll think that, well, if I'm related to a bunch of dead people that bunch of dead people at least one of them's probably going to like me because we're family and they might be inclined to help me 
But the interesting one approach that Dean Corso is taking at the moment is trying to get to know spirits of a graveyard. Now, what I don't quite like is I don't like the idea that you kind of see in some of the books and on the internet and that of, I'll just go to some random person's grave, I'll take some graveyard dirt or something and I'll stick it in my potion. Maybe I'll leave some offering, but I'm just going to assume that they're interested and that they're even sticking around anyway and haven't passed on or what have you. I don't really like this approach, you know. When you think about the anatomy of the graveyard and how graveyard systems work, well, there are spirits in the graveyard. The old idea of the graveyard guardian. And if you're a graveyard guardian, it's almost like the security man or woman on the door of the hotel. That security man or woman or door person on the door of the hotel, stood in reception all day, knows who's in the hotel. They know a little bit about their business. All they do there is stand there all day watching for crying out loud, doing their job. They pick up on an awful lot. Not to mention they chat with the other staff as well and know about all of the inner workings of what's going on in what hotel room and the like. Utilise that to your fucking advantage. I mean, instead of going and crawling around all of the records and trying to find some murderer or something like that that's died and that you want to use that person to exact some sort of revenge or haunt some fucker, just go to the spirit graveyard guardian, you know? They're there all the time. They kind of police and deal with the cemetery. If there's some dead people there that are sticking around their dead corpses that spirit guardian is gonna know about it and if you make friends with the spirit guardian that's a lot like making friends with the doorman or the banks or at the club they don't need to check your id they don't even need to let you stand in line they'll say they'll just wave you in you say hello they say hello how's you doing nice night oh, that's not too bad add a little bit of trouble later going in are we yeah thanks there we go you go right ahead you know, it's as easy as that. I mean, when it comes to witches that have been working for a while, I think we all kind of develop these little uh, things that they're kind of like shortcuts, aren't they? That I don't think anyone really talks about. You know, how many people know about utilising the spirit guardian for them to point you in the direction, the right direction of which grave would be most suitable? You know, I, don't, I just don't hear people talk about this sort of thing, which I do find quite annoying and sad at the same time. But such is the state of magical practice in this century. I mean, I know we're all online and we apparently all talk to each other and it's never been easier to talk about magic to a vast, huge conglomerate of people or group of people or what have you. But... They're in a huge amount of conversation going on. I mean, look at all the tools and resources we've got. And yet we just keep on rehashing the same old shit over and over again, don't we? But there we go. That's social media witchcraft for you. So another person that I know is working on a little bit of this is working with um, not the plant, uh, not the uh, not plant spirits and not necessarily the guardian of graveyard. They took a slightly different approach. So Arthur. Hello, Arthur. Um, that lucky coin task I set you, 
So with regards to how does one get a magic coin and have it bring you luck. Now, I didn't really think that it was such a good idea at the time because I know you are pretty much a complete beginner. In fact, there is no bigger a beginner than someone such as yourself because not only do you have no experience of the supernatural or magic or anything like that and didn't really understand they exist until very recently, um, you also haven't got the, well it's a good thing and a bad thing, but you haven't read any books on witchcraft or magic, so you're a complete virgin. The good thing about it is that you don't have any bad habits, the bad thing about it is that you don't necessarily think, you know, you're not necessarily inspired by other people's work, you know? Is there something to be said for being inspired by the approaches that other people take? Now, when I did say to you that I know you're having a bit of a rough spot at the moment and that you could do a little bit with a little bit of a win and that a lot of the stuff is kind of ongoing things, but that a little bit of spell work that manifests fairly quickly will be a nice one. Luck magic, obviously, is one of those things that's good because, well, it's a nice little treat for yourself. I always think of luck magic as a little treat because... If you're lucky, it means things are working for you in the right direction. And like Chris was saying the other day, I think, on one of the podcast episodes, if you're having a bit of a downer and you feel like the world and the universe is set against you because you're having a bad day and it's one bad thing after another and after another, when you do a luck spell and all of a sudden you're lucky, that is kind of like, it does make you feel like the universe is somehow on your side to go from having a bad well bad luck and a bad day and a bad week to all of a sudden lots of little good things happening it does make you feel happy you know and i think that when you're in a bad position in life a little bit of luck magic isn't enough to fix it but it is enough to kind of make you smile a little bit and that's kind of you're getting somewhere when you're smiling instead of scowling and crying. So a little pick-me-up. I like luck as a pick-me-up. Um, so in terms of creating a lucky coin, why a lucky coin? Well, I like in the idea of obviously teaching you about magical objects. Also, it needs to be something that's really easy to do and simple to do. And... How are you going to create and generate a little bit of luck? Well, the idea of making a lucky coin, not only do you see that in kind of, I don't know, fairy tale kind of mythology stories, that sort of stuff, lucky coins, but also you can apply that to pretty much any object there. So I know that you wanted to use your Malabeads things hanging around your neck, but I figured, A, they're chintzy and tacky. Um, I'm sorry, but they are. Um, but also, the idea of the using the magical coin, well, I know that you all have quite an interest in some of the money magic workings which you've been doing lately. So, a lot of the things that people would consider to be good luck would be winning the lottery or having a lottery ticket come up or finding five pangs on the floor or something like that. A lot of it is kind of money orientated these days. You know, not always, but a lot of it is. Finding money on the floor is seen as lucky, you know. So I like the idea of taking an object that is symbolic of the sort of luck that you want, i.e. finding money and the like, 
was symbolic of that well money itself now i know you've got an old shilling so an old shilling is not like you're going to be doing a lot else with it let's be fair you're not going to go out and spend it not like a normal pound and you're not going to mistakenly spend it either and i know some people have coin collections and the like well why don't you utilize some of that if you've got an old drawer full of random bits and pieces that you kind of like maybe they have sentimental value maybe they're just cool i've got a little box full of little things like that these make really great magical objects you know empowering them to do something so the idea with your luck magic is i said why don't you try to empower it yourself so you can get an idea of how much energy you personally are capable of generating putting in that coin and if that coin is a kind of like a battery of luck how long that luck lasts and then that way we can see well you were able to generate this amount of energy which equaled this amount of luck which lasted for x amount of time me getting all kind of sciencey now you get a rough idea for whatever reason you decided not to go down that route i found it a little annoying at the time and instead because we were doing a consultation in a graveyard you thought i want to start working with dead people so okay that's fine working with dead people how are you going to get dead people to empower your coin so what are you going to do try and attach a bunch of dead people to the coin and use up what's left of their energy deplete them so that they dissolve even quicker than they're currently dissolving no you decided to get them to fucking haunt the coin didn't you you figured that a brilliant idea would be i know if i ask a bunch of spirits that are lingering in the graveyard whether they wouldn't mind haunting the coin that i'm carrying around with me 24 7 and then drawing me two lucky things or drawing luck to me you figured that that would be an extremely really really good idea now i'm willing to entertain this idea hence why i helped you do the ritual but obviously there are plenty of things that can go wrong so within this situation obviously because most people here won't be ill so i'm gonna have to break this down a little bit the idea was to put the word out loud because i know you've been working on your psychic development and the like and seeing and sensing spirits and stuff we did have a little crowd of spirits that were gathering around and you did officially ask them to haunt this coin and utilize this coin as a means for them to a leave the graveyard which is what a couple of them wanted to do and b utilize it as a kind of i don't know i was thinking of it almost like an embassy so a way of them working through something in order to extend their reach so they're extending their reach by rather than being confined to that particular place in the graveyard because they haven't got full room over all of it as we saw um that there you're able to carry the coin away but they're linked to the coin therefore they can access outside through the coin and obviously they want to do that because that's an interest of theirs but they're only to do that if it helps you in some way 
Okay, now I know that I said, you know, you need to make this in the form of an actual contract. So you need to be able to break it and they need to be able to break it. So I know that you decided to opt for the whole Apple thing. So the fact that you are literally going to every time you visit that graveyard to rekindle the relationship between the dead people and that coin, strengthen the link, I suppose you could say, you're going to leave an apple. Why an apple? I don't know. People want strange things. Now, the important thing, of course, was that you didn't settle on the original first thing that they wanted. Because, as you remember, they wanted to leave the graveyard, which you're kind of allowing them to do. But, you know, we don't go springing inmates from a prison just for the fun of it, do we? No, we don't. Um, and then they opted for apples. I think, was it a dozen apples or 12 apples or something they wanted? To which you were willing to go for that. And I said, no, don't go for that. I said, instead, why don't you offer them one apple as a sign of good faith? And then you will return to that graveyard bringing an apple every time you return. So that they're continuously getting something out of it. So you're continuously giving an offering if they're continuously creating or powering your lucky coin. That's an all-round win at the end of the day. And the contract was stipulated that if they stop bringing you luck through the coin, you stop paying them. At the same time, if you stop paying them their apples once every week or so, then they stop helping you. So there's not a huge amount of downside to this. Also, because this is essentially haunting of a object, i.e. the coin, if they start giving you trouble, you could quite simply destroy the coin or more than likely throw the coin away. I'd find it quite amusing, because I do find these sorts of things amusing, is that if you take the coin back to the graveyard... What I love is that if it's in the graveyard and you've just thrown it away in the graveyard rather than destroy it, you'd be surprised how many of those spirits will then try and persuade some poor sod to then go and pick that haunted coin up. Yes, I know, it can be a thing. If you were going to be responsible, you'd throw the coin away somewhere where no one else can find it and be affected by it. If you're wanting to be really, really responsible, you'd probably destroy the coin. If you wanted to be a nefarious, naughty person that gets a kick out of a causing trouble, you know that if you leave a haunted coin in a graveyard, those spirits in that graveyard are probably want to get someone else to utilise that coin and take it away with them so that they can then leave that place again. I am not saying by any means that spirits in general are confined to graveyards. This is a very, very specific graveyard with certain very, very specific spirits. So please don't get me wrong in thinking that spirits of the dead are confined to where their bodies are buried. Obviously, this graveyard has history and there's the things going on there. But anyway, I don't. I, let's not spend any more time talking about that because otherwise we'll go into a massive tangent. We're already well over halfway through this. So there we go, working with the dead. So our good friend who we're seeing on a regular basis now, the archivist, 
brings up an interesting point, and that is working in the real world, being a witch, versus working in the astral world. So, as witches and magical practitioners, you can ask yourselves this question. Um, do you prefer doing physical witchcraft, or you do you prefer doing your witchcraft and magic in the astral world? So are you the sort that likes to do the potion making and getting out the candles and empowering magical objects and doing evocations and the like? Or are you the sort that likes to do your magic and witchcraft in the astral world, so purely energetically, with no physical rituals, no physical objects and ingredients and the like? Because I do tend to find that certain people seem to gravitate towards one or the other, mainly because of the sorts of successes they have. I know that this is going to uh, be predetermined to a certain extent by their the person's natural energetic makeup and where their naturally strong areas are. If they're naturally strong with the moon, then obviously they're going to be doing a lot of psychic astrally work and they're going to be naturally good at that. Therefore, they're probably not going to be particularly reliant on physical magic and physical witchcraft components. But at the same time, it is fun. I mean, I don't need to do the money spell by using physical ingredients, but sometimes I feel like being the old-fashioned archetypal witch. Sometimes I like getting the puppets out and playing with the puppets. I was never really one to play with dolls or uh, anything like that when I was a kid, but as an adult, I love stuffing voodoo dolls and puppets with uh, biologicals and then stabbing them with the French knife I got given. But hey, each to their own. So there we go. I don't know how much we've got. Oh, we're almost at 45 minutes. So obviously there's quite a lot of people that are being mentored by us at the moment. Now, I don't really want to talk before me and Chris have worked out the finer details of what's going on now. But we are soon, we're slowly reaching capacity for how many mentees that we can actually take on and when we first started doing this we were very very traditional in that we'd normally only see people face to face we'd only teach people and mentor people in person um uh, i was always very skeptical of doing the kind of stuff on the internet and that but i know that there are so many cool people that we've met in all over the world in different time zones and that that we have start We've got to start putting a little bit more effort into the online um, system that we use. We are exploring a couple of different methods. I know there was a recent poll that went up, a kind of jokey poll about what sounds the best, Thoth um, Institute or the Witchcraft Institute or Fanny Cranick's Online Academy of Naughty Doings or some shit like that, I think someone said or suggested um we are probably this year in 2021 be launching an actual online witchcraft school potentially it looks like this is probably going to happen so we will probably be doing um almost like witch wars you know where you get tasks 
we're probably going to be doing task-based courses for the simple reason that I know a lot of people that are doing the beginners thing like a little bit of structure but if we have 10 people that we mentor all to do with psychic development and every single one of those people are on the same level in person normally what happens is that we just grab we just you know teach a class and put you all in a room together so that you kind of meet each other and that and that we can all go through the same thing and it saves on time rather than 10 individual hours spent with individual people we can just do one hour with 10 people obviously online we've always kept things one-to-one -one. however for some of the super basic stuff and the super popular stuff we have thought about creating formal courses that won't really be like the kind of witchcraft diploma so it's not like you're going to have a load of multiple choice question and answers it will be a case of you will be given some course material you will work through that course material you will do some actual magic we will have meetings to discuss your progress a little bit that like what we do with most of the people we mentor but they would be formal kind of areas of magic you can specifically pick so psychic development might be one spell casting might be one potion making might be one and then what we would then do is we would spend our time making basically with you making sure that it's bespoke so altering things to suit you or suit the student rather than spending all of our time setting you a task it's easier for you to just get that in the form of a video and then just spend the time with us talking about the stuff that you're struggling with or the questions you actually want to you know you actually want answered um me and chris are trying to work through this like i said so this might be an actual thing we might actually have some sort of crazy ass witchcraft school online at some point which is scary but you know <laughs> but there we go so before i go i want to shout out to a couple of the patreons um and a couple of people that we do know and have been working with recently so hello the witch with the crossbow brooch, who I like to see on a Wednesdays. Hello, Cersei Dreamland. Hello, the Dark Pastor. Hello, Lady Lycan. The Consultant Killer. Calypso. Little Delphi. Anyanka. The Archivist. Jill. Spirit Master. Arthur. Dean Corso. Anonymous Yank. The Wanderer. Morag. Granny Killer. Rune Master, wonder who that can be. The Neoplatonist, the Gypsy Mechanic, Lady Poison, of course, and Mr. Railroad. And finally, hello, Killer. I'm keeping a special eye on you because although I know you keep saying you ain't interested in going any further with this witchcraft, I am a little bit tired with you ringing me up every five minutes and saying, I don't really like all of this stuff, but I really want to go and fuck this person up. What do I do? So I think there is about time, killer, that you admitted you are a bit of a killer and you admitted that you actually do want to be a badass witch instead of trying to pretend like you don't. 
Because every time you say, this is the last time I want help with something, another couple of weeks or a month later, you come back and you're like, ah, want some more now. Just fucking admit it, you're a witch and you want to go on a witchcraft path. Just admit it. It'll save you a lot of time, it'll save me a lot of time, and we can sort out a slightly more formal arrangement. You can pick on as many people as you want, you know I don't have a problem with that. But we don't have to keep pretending like you're a genuinely nice person and wouldn't hurt a fly. There we go. I think that's it for my little mad ramblings. So, goodbye for another week and have a nice rest of the week, everyone. And, um, yeah, do some really cool next level witchy shit.